Hello, everyone, and welcome to Penny's Politics. I am your host, Penny Sikora. A great show coming at you today. We're going to talk about racism. Are we crying, Wolf? We're going to talk about 45. We're going to talk about the shooting in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about transit. We're also going to talk about raising the minimum wage and so much more on today's show. Because guess what? We got four quarters, people. We got four quarters. Penny's Politics starts right now. to you by zipcar.com earn a 25 hour free driving credit at www.joinzipcar.com forward slash iu radio network did you know that zipcar is the world's largest car sharing network providing wheels when you want them in over 500 cities and towns 500 colleges and at 500 airports again today's show is brought to you by zipcar.com earn your 25 hour free driving credits at www.joinzipcar.com forward slash iu radio network So here we are, here we go, strap your seats, strap into your seats, put your seatbelts, whatever it is that you do to, to kind of get yourself ready, because this is going to be a show, it's going to be a show, people. I am going to talk about everything that I want to talk about today within the time allotted. <laughs> yeah, right, it's not going to happen. Listen, Facebook, use the search query, type in Penny's Politics, join in the live blog, uh, I'm starting something new called the question of the week. Uh, so tweet me at Penny Sakura, or you can email me Penny at IUNewsTalk.com. If you want to join into the conversation, you got questions, comments, concerns, compliments, donations, whatever. That's how you can contact me. That's how you can join into the conversation. The Penny Politics conversation goes 24-7 on Facebook. So we talk politics all the time. Join the group, join in the conversation, and give me Gives me some fodder for my show. It gives me some fodder for my show. A lot of my, it all makes sense, people. So just join the group. Join the group. Join the conversation, or you can tweet me or email me. Um, for those of you that that don't follow me personally on Facebook, you can reach me in the group, or you can reach me via Twitter. Um, I also snap as well. But uh, you want to Snapchat me? Got to email me. Aha. In any event, a lot has been going on over the past week. Um, I took a road trip uh, this weekend and up to, to to Nashville and to get to, to pick up uh, my mini me, and I love observing people and people watching, and a lot of observations. Um, and so, and and these observations have actually were actually a good thing because they kind of prepared me for this conversation today on today's show. Um, because later in the day, I'm going to talk about crying wolf and racism. Uh, on, last, on the last show, we talked about the fact that, you know what, when actual racism happens, you don't have to make it up. Now I think that we're kind of, we're reaching now. We're reaching. I really do think we're reaching. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. But let's, I want to talk about my road trip here uh, quickly uh, to kind of lead into today's conversation. So I had to drive up to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I live in Orlando. My mini-me uh, was in Nashville. I had to go get her. Uh, and of course, it was a road trip. I, I drove a ten-hour ride through, you know, Florida, and then of course through pretty much the entire state of Georgia, and then through Tennessee. Uh, 
And, you know, I was by myself. Uh, I stopped a lot because uh, I like to eat and snack. And But when I travel through the country, no matter where I'm at, I like to observe people. I like to interact with people. I like to talk to people. I love to talk, period. But I love to talk to people. But what I'm learning, you know, and having, I've traveled, I've been, you know, different countries. I've, I've been, uh, obviously the pretty much all of the the fifty states. But the one thing that I, when I was younger, as I've gotten older, I've gotten an opportunity to really, when you get older and more mature, you're able to see the world through a a, a sharper lens, and that lens sharpens the focus sharpens every year that you mature. I don't I don't say every year that you grow older because some people don't mature and they don't sharpen those lenses. But when you when you grow old, as you age, that lens should get sharper. You should be able to see the world clearer. Your vision should uh, should uh, the field of vision should get wider, uh, and therefore you mature and you see the world better, or at least you should. Many of us has, have not had the opportunity to leave our current environments. Many of us, there are a lot of us that have not left a, a radius of about fifty miles of our house for most of our lives. There are a lot of Americans that that's their story. When I lived in Milwaukee, many of the people in Milwaukee, especially a lot of the urban youth, had never left Milwaukee. And so their idea of the world was shaped by the media, by the, by the boob tube primarily. And even with the advent of social media, I think that we don't expand our horizons. We just, because we tend to gravitate toward the stuff that reaffirms our own beliefs or runs congruent to our own beliefs. If you are a sports fan on Facebook, you tend to lean toward those that view sports, and more specifically, those that like your sports teams, unless you expand your horizon to get into sports groups and you have opposing team views, but yet and still, you still like to talk sports. And for the political folks, many of them like to either join groups that have similar similar ideologies, uh, or unless you're just one of the people that likes to punish yourself and you go into groups that think counter to you. Um, and in most cases, people that do that are either just liking to argue or there's some that want to expand the horizons. But for the most part, your friends list still com- is compiled of those that are from your area. Uh, you know, for those that have gone to college and left the state, you've obviously had an opportunity to expand your horizons. So this, that really doesn't apply to you. But for the most, most many of us, we've never left our general area. We've never moved around. We've never traveled the country. And even if we do, we tend to go to the places that are more that we would be more familiar with or with people more, most like us. I hear the conversations all the time about there's a joke. There was a meme joke um following, you know, viral on social media. Uh, uh, there's a picture of <laughs> of a white person locking their doors and the caption read, you know, when you travel to a city and you see Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. And the joke was that all King drives in every city are identical. And when white people travel down these streets, they Lock their doors. But here's a here's the truth, and I'm not going to say that white people are locking the doors when they go to King Drive. That was a joke. But here's a universal truth: when most black people travel, because the, the the joke basically says that King Drive is in black neighborhoods, and black neighborhoods are bad neighborhoods. That's the joke. Here's a truth: when most African Americans, and I have to say African Americans, because black encompasses Africans and Islanders, other other people that are culturally not the same as Af- African Americans. African Americans are different. We are. Uh, we're different. Um, you don't believe me? 
you think that we're all the same. Now we have some some cultural similarities, you know, that you know that are just undeniable. Our music is very consistent in terms of the beats and dancing is very consistent, you know, that you know with our the African overall African culture. But African Americans have a separate culture because American America has influence has an has had an influence on us over the years that we've been here, over the generations that we have been here. But in any event, there's a consistent truth about African Americans. Because I went deep with that one. And it's that when we travel to other American cities, cities, the first thing we want to see is the hood. That's what we want to see. We want to see the hood. We want to see what their hood looks like and compared to our hood. You go to Atlanta, you want to go to the hood. You want to go to you go to Nashville, you want to go to the hood. You want to go to uh, you know, any other that's what you want to see. You want to see where all the black people are. Because you want to see what, how their neighborhood stacks up to your neighborhood, how, what the similarities are. And there are some similarities. And there's some differences. But that's typically what we want to do. That's where we want to be. We want to see it. We may be down there, we may be traveling for our family union or business, but we want to see the hood. We tra- for those of you that have traveled to other countries that have black people, you want to see where they live. Because that's it's 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 what we do but one of the things that you miss out on and one of the reasons that we're so segregated or i shouldn't say or and separated is that you're not you're not expanding your horizons like that sure in some instances especially north to south there are vast differences between the urban centers or culturally there's differences or if you go to the extremes like the northeast or california there's differences you know there's some differences culturally but you're, you're you're still not really expanding your horizons, and so when I travel, you know you have the opportunity to I, I, you know I stop at gas stations wherever because you need gas, you need gas, so you're stopping wherever, and usually it may be a small town or a large town, but you're stopping wherever. But I like to see people, different people, and on this last road trip as I traveled, and I've been to South a million times. I've lived here for, for you know I've been here, I've been all through the South, and you know. So the South is not, in and of itself, anything new to me. However, me sitting back and really being older, because again, as a kid, you do, you're not you're not that, for lack of a better term, you're not that awake. Your vision is not that clear. You don't understand the world that well yet. It's really starting to make sense to you. But if you've lived a few years, you've had a few experiences under your belt, the world kind of it begins, if you begin to observe and if you're paying attention, it kind of begins to make sense. You kind of put the piece together. And, and, and on this particular trip, uh, I made a stop in, in the middle of Georgia. I think I was uh, north of, um, just north of, uh, or rather just south of Macon, Georgia, or in, in, that, in that area. And I went to a gas station. And I remember getting to the gas station and uh there were other black folks around i was playing i was at the time i was playing jay-z's new album uh four 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 forty four four forty four and i remember getting stares by the black folks and then you know they kind of because i had my windows down they kind of start bobbing their head a little bit and of course i had the pleasure of seeing some uh car full of beautiful african-american women and they were kind of looking at me and i kind of liked that and they spoke. I spoke. And then I moved on. 
But I forgot to get some of the drink because I was getting gas at that point. I forgot to get some drinks. So I left. I left. And then I remember I found some. So I pulled over again at, a, at another exit. And I stopped. But this time, I was the only African-American in the vicinity. There was a, a, a younger white female pumping gas next to me. Uh, and there was an older white gentleman with his hood popped up. He was walking into the, to the gas station as I was walking into the gas station. So I go in there. And he's staring at me. And immediately I'm thinking, well, why are you staring at me? But the younger me would have said, well, dude, what is your problem? And I would have been probably been like, you racist or something? I would have jumped to a conclusion all because he's staring at me. And so, but I didn't because I'm almost 40 now. And it's like, don't, and I've traveled and I've experienced Interactions with a ton of people. And so I don't jump to conclusions always. And the Christian in me, you know, teaches me to, you know, that, you know, everybody's different. Try them. See. You know a fruit, you want a tree by its fruit, person by its works. Right? And so I didn't assume anything. But I did think it was Adi who was staring at me. So I go, I grab a couple of Gatorades, I stand in line, and I go to make my purchase. And, and the guy, he was already in line, he goes, you can go first. So I'm now, that also perturbed me. I was like, this guy staring at me, now he's letting me skip him. What is this all about? And so I make my purchase, but I left my Gatorades because I had to run to the bathroom. But in the back of my mind, I'm still thinking, why was this guy staring at me, and why did he let me skip? And so I, I go into the bathroom, and I come out, and he's still up there. And I go and he's talking to the young lady about oil. He's asking a question about the different grades of oil. That explains why he was polite enough to let me go first because he didn't want me to be standing by him while he was explaining or asking all of his questions. He was being polite. And so when he got outside, he was under, when, when I left out, he had came out, he was you know going under his hood. And so I, because I was still curious to know why he was staring at me, I said, I'm going to spark a conversation with this guy, you know, see what's up. So. I go, everything good? Because he had his trunk. Not that I could help him because I am mechanically retarded. I just don't, cars are just not my, fixing cars are, is not my thing. So I go, I got everything good. And I figured maybe if, if I can assist him, I will. And he says, no, I just need a little oil. You know, just need a little oil. You know, just a little, you know, see a little oil on oil. Just try to get the oil. But I had to put the right one in there because I accidentally bought the synthetic because the, the, the bottle colors were the same. But I didn't recognize that that was a generic brand that was the same color as the name brand that I usually get here. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting the right one. And I was also asking her if she was familiar with this particular brand. And so he basically walked me through the conversation he was having with the, 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 the clerk on the inside. And uh, he says, your shirt. He says, is that is that Penny Hardaway? And I said, yeah, it is. He says, man, I was the biggest Magic fan that there ever was. And he began to name off the Magic player, Nick and Dennis and Shaq and Penny. And he looks at me and goes, you know what? You look like Penny. So I was looking to see. I couldn't remember how tall Penny was. He said, you're driving a nice car. So I'm thinking probably, maybe. And so. That's why he was staring. That's why the guy was staring. He saw that I had a shirt on with Penny Hardaway on it. And 
he saw the nice car and he thought maybe I could be. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm about a half a foot short. And I jokingly told him that I was half a foot short. And he and he also acknowledged that I meant no harm. If I would have left the gas station at 23, 23 years old, same scenario. I never say two words to the guy. I walk out. I leave with my assumptions. I don't say anything. I would have labeled him. He's probably racist. He was. I, I would have been. It wouldn't have been staring. It would mean he was eyeballing me. I wouldn't. I don't know what I would have come up with for why he let me skip him, but I certainly would have created an entire narrative off of an observation that was totally false. All because I didn't ask questions and I assumed the position of the other person. I assumed, and I assumed the worst, all because he was white. And I would have been dead wrong. He was a nice guy. A nice guy. He had a white pickup truck with his motorcycle. He's about to go doing, do, you know, doing some, some riding. He had one of those motorbikes, uh, one of like BMX type motorbikes that you can ride in the dirt and stuff like that. Dirt bike. But I assumed, I would have assumed so much based on an interaction had been so wrong. All because I would have used my context clues drawn by the media, television. Television says that whites in the South that drive pickup trucks that are older than a certain age are racist. They're racist. They don't like black people. They don't watch basketball for sure. They're NASCAR fans. But this guy was not only none of that. He was a big fan of the NBA. He knew a lot about the NBA. He was a fan of my favorite team. <laughs> One of my favorite teams. He paid me a compliment. And was staring me all because he just was checking out the shirt and thought I was somebody that I wasn't. And he meant no harm. But I, I share that story, so I continue on. I'm, I'm, you know, up, up the road and I get to my destination, but I wanted to share that story because it, it leads into a couple of stories. And, and, and some of these stories are going to take us into the second quarter. I want to, I want to have this conversation. Um, and I actually just got a notification that in Brown Deer, Wisconsin, for those of you, there was a conversation about race at one of the, the churches, which I think would be a great place to talk about race. Um, in fact, let me pull this up because I got an in invite. I, I, I want to think of the name of the dang old church. Um, I can't think of the, I can't think of the the, the dang old name of the church, but it's a, it's a church in Brown Deer. They're having a, literally a conversation on race, and they invited me. And for whatever reason, I can't pull up my events. I suck at the app. Changed so much uh, that even I have a hard time following. Here it is, the events. Here we go. Ten invites, the events. So there's a conversation on race in Brown Deer at the United Methodist Church in Brown Deer, which was literally up the street from where I used to live when I lived in uh, in Milwaukee. It's on 60th Street. For those of you that live in Milwaukee, probably by the time the, the, the show airs, you're not going to even hear. You're not going to hear this anyways. You're not going to be able to go anyways. It's, it's going to be over with. But they have a conversation on race and the details of the conversation on race. Oh, they actually have a monthly discussion for people who are, who are ready to discuss on how we're approaching racial issues, both personally 
and systematically or systemically. It is a it is a time to learn about the fears, angers, prejudices, systemic privileges, and spiritual power that we each hold. And it talks about who leads it. And we will also ask ourselves, what does racism mean to me? It's open to the public and is handicap accessible. They apparently they do this monthly. And I'm just gonna be honest, I'm gonna try to make the next one. Because and, and I think that the church is the great is the is the place to host a conversation on race. And not, not that I'm saying that Christians are endowed to be better at this stuff, because we suck with things like everybody else does. But I think that this is the opportunity because in holding ourselves to that standard, I think that we should be the ones leading the conversation because we're supposed to be the ones carrying the, the, the mantle of love and of tolerance. And, and I shouldn't even say tolerance because I learned in church that tolerance is just, it's kind of just dealing with it. Tolerance and embracing something are two totally different things. I tolerate my coworkers because I have to because I need the paycheck. But if I embrace them and we were a team, work would be wonderful. So I think that, you know, the church would be great at, at holding these conversations. Great at it. And also because churches, <laughs> ooh, churches are segregated as hell. No pun intended. They are. They are segregated. I think it was King that said that the most segregated hour in America is on Sunday at, at 1 o'clock. I, I made the example last week that if you, or a few weeks ago, that if you walk into many of America's schools right now, you will see predominantly one race of people in most American schools. Most American churches are the same. And that's the problem. We don't interact, and so we assume based on what we see on TV, and TV is trying to simply entertain you. And TV is driven by stereotypes because that's what sells. Stereotypes sell. Because all it is is a big echo chamber that's kind of reinforcing some of the things that we believe in entertaining us at the same time. But at the same, at the same time, it is helping to create the divide. Now, the partisans, and I'm going to get deeper with the partisans later in the show and how they contribute to the problem. But most of us don't interact. I spent some time at a Christian college for a year. It was the best, worst, it was the best experience of my life and it was the worst experience of my life. Amazing school. Amazing staff and faculty. Amazing students. There are a handful of guys there that I went to school with that were the worst. That were the worst. But the best thing, I'm not going to talk about them. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I want to talk about the positive experience that I got from, 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 from being up in, up in Bermidji, Minnesota. There's a friend of mine by the name of Jeremiah Inwards. And Jeremiah was from a rural part of Minnesota. He, he, he was one of those 10,000 lakes. And Jeremiah was a, an amazing individual. And I'm not just saying that because it's true. I'm saying that because our very first conversation went like this. Very first conversation. He says, you know, Penny, I, I, I'm going to be straight with you. He says, I have never 
in my life met a black person in person. I've only seen him on TV. He said, so you're the first. He says, but I don't want to assume anything. He says, so I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask you some questions that may sound dumb and stupid. But they come from ignorance. I just don't know any better. But I want to know you. And I want to learn. I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to rub you the wrong way. Because he said, we're going to be teammates. Because we were. We played, we played on, the, on the basketball team together. He says, but I want to get to know you. And I said, man, you know what? So you can ask me anything you want to. And I said, I will not be offended. I said, why? Because you asked. And you admitted your ignorance. And from that day forward, he did. He would ask me a ton of questions. He would never ask me in front of everybody else. We, he, everyone else would, would, everyone else would jump in on the conversation. He would never try to embarrass me or anything. And some conversations that he would, he would, you know, as we, as he developed a comfort level with me, and I with him, he would, he would, we'd be on like the team bus traveling, and he would ask me questions in front of everybody. It would, I mean, if people would be having a conversation, they would hear and ask a question, and everybody would get dead silent. And some people would gasp, like, oh, "Did you just ask him what?" And we'd have conversations. I would answer, and he would ask more questions, and we would talk. Why? Because he didn't know. I'm not going to go into detail in the conversation we had. It's, it's irrelevant. It really is irrelevant. But we'd have conversations. And I guarantee you, at the end of that school year, Jeremiah had an insight on black people that he never thought he'd had because, you know, I... You know, me. I was. I'm a nerdy guy. There was. A, I remember a trip in which we were riding along. It got quiet, and I started singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And everyone was thrown off by that because they didn't know any better. But my point is, we don't. We don't interact. Television and the media do all of our interaction for us. That's our interaction. That's what we base a lot of stereotypes from. Just like we think Africa is this vast wasteland of poor people that, that, that are apparently starving and dying. If you were to broadcast Appalachia to the rest of the world and say, this is America, they would think that America is very white, very poor. You know, and, and by Appalachia, I mean the bad parts of Appalachia, the drug parts, the poor whites. They would think we're poor, uneducated, and on drugs. That's what a lot of the media does to Africa. It doesn't go to the, some of these cities that are 10 times cleaner than American cities. It doesn't show you that Africans live in houses and they drive cars and they play PlayStation and they watch movies and they listen to music just like we do. Are there rural areas to Africa? Yes. Are there areas of Africa that are struggling? Yes. But Africa is also not a country it's a continent made up of 50 plus nations sovereign nations Botswana is not Zaire Egypt is not Ethiopia they're all different South Africa is not Ghana 
They're all different with different cultures, beliefs, people, languages. But because the media paints it a certain way, this is the, the image that we're given. But it, but with here in America, we know what we see on television. Many of us don't interact, whether it be culturally or racial. There was an example someone gave that talked about America. I think it was Bill Maher, talking about America's the, the the book about the country mouse and the city mouse, and talked about that is America. That's how America views America. We make a lot of assumptions. We don't talk. Now I, I know that I, I speak highly of Orlando a lot. I do. I, I love this. It's a beautiful city, but it's beautiful in so many ways because it kind of pushes against almost every stereotype, except for the if you move a bunch of people into a city and you don't properly plan its infrastructure, you will have problems because the traffic here is horrible. It's only going to get worse. But there are parts. There's things about this city that I love, and the, the thing that I like is there's so many different people here. And the crime rate here is low, and it's dropping. And it's also Democrat run, too, by the way, for all the, the Republicans saying, oh, Democrats can't run the city. They, they can't run. They, they, they're the problem with the city. The, the Democrat run it ruins. But in any event, I got to go to the break. First quarter is over. We're going to continue this conversation on the other side because I'm leading into something, some stories that I've heard that I wanted to bunk. And we're going to have a serious conversation about them because they deal with race, and they're causing more harm than good. Join, join Facebook, the Facebook group Penny's Politics to join in on this conversation for your comments. You can also email me, Penny, at IUNewsTalk.com, all one word, or tweet me at Penny Sakura the second quarter when I return. You listen to Penny's Politics. I'm destined to win. support for the independent underground radio network which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows including constitutionally speaking with host autumn smith third wave feminism with host jenny and diane penny's politics with host penny sequoia and our flagship show independent underground radio live with host monica rw so how can you show that support by going to get independent underground radio network app for just two dollars and 99 cents at google play or the apple store just go and put in the search for independent underground radio network on google play or at the apple store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone your tablet computer or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the independent underground radio network remember just go to google play or the apple store search for independent underground radio network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the independent underground radio network so I've had the opportunity to move to this beautiful and amazing state called Florida I've also had the opportunity of moving to this amazing network called IU News and Talk. Hi, 
I'm Penny Sikora, host of Penny's Politics. Tune in Tuesdays from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I give you my unique, no-spin style of politics. The truth is what you're going to get here. Sometimes that truth is beneficial. Sometimes you hear the truth and you're like, you know what? I can dig that. I like that. It lets me know I'm on the right side of the argument. But there are other times when the truth is going to make you upset, you're going to be upset with Penny. But you know what? I'm still going to tell you the truth. So tune in Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to Penny's Politics here on IU News and Talk. Join in the Facebook group. Join in on the conversation, I should have said. Uh, Penny at IUNewsTalk.com or tweet me at Penny Sakura if you want to join in the conversation. As we head into the second quarter, I'm talking about, I'm leading into the conversation, and I was talking about people making a lot of assumptions. I was talking about uh, the divide because a lot of us don't, we don't, we just don't interact with each other. We're still very much segregated. It's 2017, and we're still very segregated. And I was patting Orlando on the back for not being segregated because Orlando is not very segregated. Um, and, and it's not by design. It's not like Orlando had this great plan and design not to segregate. It's just it happened organically because Orlando, as it's an old older city, but uh, it's new. A lot of Orlando is new. A lot of this, the, the, this construction in this city, the houses here are less than 40 years old. The city is very new. Because you have a lot of people moving from elsewhere. So Orlando really started to get its growth in the last 50 years. And Orlando had, you know, and cities in Florida had the great opportunity, first of all, not having air conditioning. <laughs> Prior, during all the years, all the drama that America's dealing with, Orlando was hot. And only a handful of people were crazy enough to live down here, primarily the Seminoles and black folk. Primarily. There's a lot of whites out here, too. But the population begins to explode when, you know, they invented this thing to keep you cool because it's hot down here most of the time. And so people started to move down here. Blacks started to move down here and whites started to move down here. And of course, given the proximity, you had a lot of Islanders that came here. There's a lot of Mexicans that are here. So this, this, this state is a melting pot. There's a lot of weird stuff goes down here too, but Florida's a melting pot. I shouldn't say a melting pot. It's a salad because it doesn't really have its own identity. Um, you know, but people, there are some people that hang their hat on that and saying, well, Florida is the, where I live in Florida, it's very diverse and we are doing great things in Florida. No, it is very diverse down here. It's extraordinarily diverse, which is a great thing. It's a great thing. It's still separated by class, which, okay, I get that. Where I'm at, it's middle class. You cross Kirkman and it's just, it's not middle class. And if you go just west of me, even further west in the Windermere, it's where Shaq lives. So it's separated by class. But racially, you'd be hard-pressed to find a black, black neighborhood with the exception of maybe a few pockets in Orlando. Because even in those neighborhoods, there's a lot of black and white poor people in those neighborhoods. Ones that I was, when I was, because I was looking for the hood, and they were like, oh, here's the hood. They show him in this neighborhood, his Paramore neighborhood. There's a, lot, there's a lot of poor people over there, and there's poor whites and poor blacks. But 
In other cities, it's not that way. And America, it could have been, it, we could have solved this problem when with the New Deal, or at least begin to address it, as FDR's program was beginning to undergird its poor citizens of European descent by subsidizing the building of the suburbs by encouraging whites to move and redlining blacks and say, you can't, you can't live there. We won't write you alone. You can't move there. And literally legislating segregation because in the North it, it existed. The reason we didn't have Jim Crow laws in the North is because they already lived separately. Whites and blacks didn't really live next to each other. In the South, especially in the poorer South neighborhoods, they all live right next to each other because they didn't have much of a choice. Because even if they would have benefited from, they, they weren't benefited anyway because they're all poor. A lot of poverty in the South. A lot of poverty in the South. So they weren't building up these posh suburbs in the South and taking advantage. I mean, some did, but most didn't. I can't think of where the Levitt, where the, the, the Levittown, I can't think of any Levittown developments in the South. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's why Jim Crow didn't ring out in the North, but there was certainly racism in the North just like it was in the South. But even it, we had an opportunity. So instead of FDR excluding blacks, he could have included blacks in all these programs. And the black middle class would have begun to move into these areas on their own. And integration would have happened. It would have happened organically. And we'd be at least two generations removed, at least. I'm talking the baby, the greatest generation and then the baby boomers. And then our generation. So we'd be the third generation integration instead of barely one. Because to be honest, the baby boomers are kind of forced to integrate. They were forced. Look here, y'all got to, Stop this. You've got to integrate. And all of these conversations that we're having wouldn't be had because, well, we wouldn't need to because we know each other. We know that, well, whites, aren't mo whites are not monolithic and blacks aren't either. And blacks wouldn't be so quick to think that all white people are out to be racist. So there's a couple of stories I want to talk about. So apparently Dove is racist. Apparently I need to go in my bathroom right now and throw away my soap and my lotion because Dove is racist. There's a commercial which shows a young lady, I guess, taking off her shirt. It starts with a white woman. She takes off her shirt. No, a black woman takes off her shirt and she becomes a white woman. She white woman takes off her shirt becomes an Asian woman. Now, most of the pictures on... Basically talking about Dove. Dove is the message I'm assuming Dove is trying to make is that it's good for all skin colors. What black people saw was, oh, Dove makes you take off your black and you become white, and that makes you better. That's what they saw. So how does the Asian person play into this? Are we saying that uh, white is better than black and then Asian is better than white? Because if I'm a white people, I'm how dare you, Dove? Are you saying Asians are better than us? couple of things wrong with the argument is that context matters certainly certainly 
we they ignored the Asian woman. And when I first saw the argument, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something here. I wasn't ready to jump on the bandwagon, of course, but I'm like, maybe there's something here because now I'm older. I've traveled and I'm not quick to assume a lot of stuff. It takes a lot of me to throw out the racism. My focus is systemic. The judicial system, because there's studies, there's disparities in our police forces, and I'm worried about that. So, but I'm looking at the argument. I'm like, okay, all right, maybe, maybe there's some here. And then, I, then, then someone said, well, "What about the Asian woman?" I'm like, wait, wait, there's an Asian woman in this commercial too. Come again? So, Dove makes you better by being white. You're even better by being Asian. That's that. That's the message here. That's got to be the message. And certainly, that's not the message. And I think anyone that of, of a of a calm mind, I won't say sound. I'm not going to insult people. Because there are intellectual, smart folks that still see the same thing. They see racism. But I, I say calm. Because if you calm down for half a second, you say, this ain't racist at all. They're just saying Dove is good for other, all the skin types. Did they articulate it well? Nah. But I guarantee you, had they put the white woman first, and then the Asian woman, and then the black woman, we would not be having this conversation. They just put them in the wrong order. But people are quick to jump to the racism there's another story that's story number one there's another story there's three stories i want to talk about there's another story in which uh this is from detroit a detroit firefighter was fired for bringing watermelon to the station i wish i was making this up i really wish i was making this up there's a news story i'm going to play for you guys take a listen a firefighter new to the job makes a major faux pas while getting to know his new colleagues. What he says was a gesture of goodwill was not received that way at all. Fox 2's Taryn Asher here now to explain why some people were so offended. Taryn. Well, Robert Pattinson had just completed the Firefighter Training Academy. He was set to work at Detroit's Engine 55. He says he brought a watermelon with a pink bow to introduce himself to the crew as a nice gesture. But it certainly wasn't taken that way. Fired before he officially started. Last Monday, 41-year-old Robert Pattison went to introduce himself to his fellow firefighters at Engine 55 at Joy and Southfield in Detroit. 2nd Battalion Chief Sean McCarty calls it a tradition for firefighters. It's not mandatory. It's voluntary. You come in, you bear gifts. You, uh, you might bring some nuts. The usual gift is donuts. Okay. Um, but you're allowed to bring in whatever you want to bring in. And Pattison, a probationary firefighter, decided to bring this watermelon with a pink ribbon on top. We're told some African-American firefighters were instantly offended since 90% of the people who work at Engine 55 are black. When you get your first detail to a firehouse, you, you know um, pretty much what you're getting yourself into. So I would have to say... No, it was probably a bad call. Is it racially insensitive to bring a watermelon into a firehouse? To some people. I spoke to Pattison by phone, who claims it was not a joke, and he did not mean to offend his fellow firefighters. But he clearly did. 
Fire Commissioner Eric Jones says the Fenton native was officially discharged. In a statement, Jones says there is zero tolerance for discriminatory behavior inside the Detroit Fire Department. On Saturday, September 30th at Engine 55, a trial firefighter engaged in unsatisfactory work behavior, which was deemed offensive and racially insensitive to members of the Detroit Fire Department. After a thorough investigation, it was determined that the best course of action was to terminate the employment of this probationary employee. In a world where racial tensions run high, some tell me the trial firefighter should have known better. Trout doesn't know if he meant anything by it, but feels it was a bad choice. Oh, for sure. By far. By far none it was. The question is, did DFD overreact? Should he have In lost his job over a water bottle? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, between what he did and losing his job, there, there were a few things that could have been done. Well, Battalion Chief McCarty goes on to say, although a group inside the firehouse wanted Pattinson fired, many others wanted him to be able to stay so they could educate him about why it was an offensive and really continue this discussion. Huel? So, Taryn, how is the union responding tonight? Well, Union President Mike Nevin says that the union feels the administration dealt with the employee in what they determined to be in the best interest of the department. So it sounds as if they supported the move. I have so many problems with that news story. So many problems. My first problem is that he was fired. They fired him over this. Now, let me be honest. I don't. I, I can see in a reach in a in a world in which you have the reach of a Scotty Pippen. In the world in which, <laughs> oh my goodness, grievances reaching. They assume the, the, the white probie uh, was being racist because he brought the watermelon to the all-black firehouse. That's what they assumed. They didn't ask him. They didn't talk to him. They just assumed it, and they ran with it. And this guy lost his livelihood. He lost his entire job over bringing a watermelon to work. If I'm honest, if you bring a watermelon to my place to work, I'm eating the watermelon. Because watermelon is freaking delicious. And not only blacks eat watermelon. You come down south here, whites eat just as much watermelon and fried chicken as we do. I get it that there are some stereotypes that it's a black thing, but it's not. But there's a, a, another problem that, that I had. So this guy lost his job. And the union didn't even fight for him. The union basically said, well, you know, that, that was their decision. We're going to run with it. Are you kidding me? Unions, there are people that have done things 50 times worse. And unions will back you, which is one of the problems that people have with unions. And as a union guy, I got a problem with the union not defending this guy. Are you kidding me? He was fired. The union basically said, well, it was what it was. The local union is the IAFF Local 344. It's the International Association of Firefighters Local 344. You guys dropped the ball. You guys dropped the ball. This is ridiculous. If there was ever a time to step up and defend a worker, this is the time. Because when workers do bad things, the union comes and say, well, these are the circumstances. I, I need you to understand the, the, the totality of circumstances. 
Yeah, I know my firefighter went in and chopped down that house that wasn't on fire, but in his defense, there was a smoke alarm going off. That's what unions do. They defend their employees. And sometimes some of these employees are terrible and don't need to be defended, but they still defend them. And in this case, this guy was brand new and the union did nothing. The union said, well, he got fired. Oh, well. Now, the majority of this fire department is black. The entire association is black. And so they're basically, they're not any, you're not any better. And now, instead of an opportunity to educate and to move forward and not destroy this guy's livelihood, and what, in my opinion, is a, are you kidding me? I guarantee you he meant no harm. I'm almost certain. And we'll never know because he's fired. But I know what I know what's gonna happen. Now that this guy has lost a great job with great benefits, in an instance in which he was probably not being racist, you can't cry racism to this dude no more. He's not gonna hear you. He's not going to be on your side. He's not going to hear your calls. He's going to be upset, angered. Are you kidding me? They, I took watermelon, and he probably loves watermelon. <clears throat> we don't know. <clears throat> Some of the guys in the group wanted fired. Others wanted to use this as a teachable moment. It should have been a teachable moment. Had When Jeremiah approached me, had I said no, no, you racist white punk, I'm not going to talk to you because you're racist. How do you think Jeremiah would have viewed, how do you think he would have felt moving forward? Would that have helped him being my teammate for the rest of the year? I think we look for too many opportunities to burn down, burn bridges. We don't want to educate you. I was I was having a conversation. So Jeremy Lin was approached by Kenyon Martin. Was Kenyon Martin went on social media telling Jeremy Lin talk about Jeremy Lin wearing wearing uh, dreads, and people were saying, "Oh, they're stealing our culture." So you don't want you don't want black women to wear their hair straight because that's European. It's Euro. You got to be natural. And when people want to want to embrace our things culturally you can't do that because you're stealing it and he's jeremy lynn is asian by the way and by the way kenya martin who made the comments had chinese has chinese uh, tattoos on him chinese symbols on him which jeremy lynn pointed out black people we can't have it both ways we can't play both sides of the fence no we cannot right is right and wrong is wrong and real racism is real, and this reaching is just nonsense. But I'm not done. I, that story bothered me. The Dove story bothered me, and this firefighter story bothered me. Because now people are talking about boycotting Dove, which I think Dove will be fine. I'm not worried about that. Boycotts are not as effective nowadays because they're just not. And they're always temporary. People move on pretty quickly, and then you don't, you're not boycotting anymore. And Dove apologized, which I don't think that they should, but hey, they did. This situation, you got a life ruined. For what I feel is a misunderstanding. Seriously, a watermelon. Then you lost your mind. And someone made a comment on Facebook that if they had would have worked there, unless the guy came in and said, come get this watermelon, you racial, racial epithet, racial epithet. I'm not going to repeat what she said, but she just said a bunch of racial. It was funny. She said, unless he came in and said that, I'm not going to assume that he's being racist. 
but I'm not done. There's one more. There's another one. So Carolina Panthers coach Ron Rivera is at a press conference, and he's commenting on the comments made by his quarterback, Cam Newton. And he has a shirt on that says, control your ape. And, of course, the picture's gone viral because, oh, yeah, control your ape. That's code word for Rivera saying control your black persons because, you know, black people are apes and monkeys and he's being racist. Except there's a website where the shirt came from, www.briancane.com, and the shirt's on the website, and ape. And it says, so, so from the website, it says ape. It's the t- it says ape. So what are things we can control? And it says you can control yourself. And what I call your ape. Ape is an acronym. You don't, is it, Af- is it an acronym for African people are evil? Is that what it's, uh, it's racist. It's racist. I knew it. It's African people are evil. Wait, wait, wait. Ape is your attitude because attitude is the decision. A is also for your appearance. And with appearance, I'm not talking about do we go ponytail or do we let it down? Do we have a blonde hair or black hair? No, it's it's not that. Appearance is body language, confident. Do you walk around with swagger? Do you walk around big? Do you walk around with confidence or do you walk around with a loser's limp? Uh... I don't feel good today. You can control yourself and your attitude and appearance regardless of how you feel. The P. P stands for performance. You can control how you play. Now, you now you, you all told me that you played well before and still lost, so just because you play well doesn't mean you're going to win. But if you play well and you put all your energy and attention on the controllables and things that you can do to play well, you give yourself the best chance to win. And that's what this is all about. It's about giving yourself the best chance to win. So maximize those things. Be the control Be the control freak and give yourself the best chance to win. Focus solely on the things you can control. E stands for energy. I'm sorry, for effort, energy, and emotions. We can control our emotions. Difficult to do, but we can control our emotions. One of the best ways to control your emotions is by take, taking a good deep breath, breathing, controlling what you can control, giving a great effort all the time, Playing with positive energy. Control your appearance, performance, and emotions. Ape. Or, I'm sorry, attitude, performance, and effort, energy, and emotions. Control your ape. Not control your black person who we call apes. And I, I, I am flustered by this. This is what has a lot of social media attention. This stuff goes viral, and we lose our collective minds. Oh, my God. It, what? Yeah, the ape turned on. He's talking about the, the negras. Us negras. That's what he means. He means apes. He, oh, my God. He's a racist. And this is what I'm saying. We don't ask questions. We just assume. Penny, there was this, Penny, Penny, I got to talk to you, man. I got to talk to you, man. I got to talk to you. Penny, I am angry, man. I'm angry. Well, what's wrong, man? Calm, calm down. Calm down. Man, man, listen, I got, I got to talk to you, man. I got, I'm angry. I'm so angry right now. I'm angry. Well, what, what's the matter, man? What, what's, what's wrong? What's, talk, talk to me. You got to calm down. Calm down. <sighs> okay, Penny. Okay, Penny. Okay, Penny. Okay, Penny. All right, look, 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 man. Look. Can you believe that I saw several 
white people walking around with shoes with black soles on them. What? Yeah! What's the problem? They are trying to trample not just on the black man, but on our souls! It's symbolic for trampling on black people's souls! That's what they mean, man! How you don't get this penny? You not you not white, man. You not woke. That's what it means. White people cannot wear black soles on their shoes because they trying to step literally to step on our souls. That's what it means. Uh, people think like this. People think like this. Yo, man, it's racial. We'll expand. I like that. Now, check it out. The white ball dominates everything, right? Knocks the shit out the yellow ball, the red ball, right? And the game's over when the white ball drives the black ball completely off the table. Now, why is that? I don't know, but I'm sure you tell me, my brother. <laughs> sure you're right. Look, it's because of the white man's fear of the sexual potency of black balls. Now, that one was kind of interesting. That was interesting. You see, what was... I see where you're going, and the pool table is the earth. That's why it's green. Oh, shit. See, your shit is coming out now. And the world, they used to think it was flat. Screw him. When you do the Oprah Winfrey show, I'm going to be front row. It's not about jokes. Me and him are here. It's not about... That one was was kind of deep. You went to the bottom of the ocean on that. So that that clip is from Boomerang. Uh, Martin Lawrence plays this character in Boomerang. Um, if those of you have never seen the movie, hopefully you've seen this movie. It's back from 1992. So you have these three guys that work at this this imaginary. Uh, uh, no, actually, no, they all don't work there. Actually, I think they all do. I don't remember all of them. But anyway, these three guys, they all are three black professionals. And they, 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 the Martin character thinks everything is racial. And so every every exchange, he goes deep and tries to find the racism. And this story, this movie actually illustrated has, there's another scene in there that I'm going to play for you in just a second, with, which is a legitimate uh, racism. Uh, I'm going to play, I'm going to play, and then, then I'll talk about it afterwards. I'm going to play the clip. It's amazing. She even has pretty feet, this girl. Oh, yeah? Costa Cooch. Man, that is crass. May I help you? Oh, no, we're okay. We're just browsing. No, look, look. I'm a realist, right? If the coochie's good, everything else falls into place. It's more than sex with this girl. I dig her, you know, her spirit and her mind and everything. She's bad. You should be Miss Grant. Oh, yeah? You think I'm joking? She's that bad, man. <laughs> Marcus is in love. No! Yo, I'm getting this, Marcus. Step off. That jacket is $1,800. No refunds. What, you think I can't pay for it? Well, there is no layaway plan. Hey, we're okay, but I need any help. We don't keep cash in the store. This sucker, man. Don't even trip on that. Racial. Yeah, you're right, man. Don't even trip on that. No refund? I mean, what's he think? You're going to take the jacket, wear it, stank it all up to be damned, and then, like, give it back to him? We, we can't get over this. There's a certain fear. There's a natural fear of black people. This program. You know, like, watch that. See up right new one? Just from a black man screaming now at I think these two clips illustrates the problem that we have 
uh, in America as African Americans were talking about race. And and in the same movie, the guy that was screaming race everything, there was a, that was legitimate, very much legitimate. You had the the store owner, you know, stereotyping them, and and then the other example, he was reaching and fight, trying to fight racism. And and the problem with that is that people begin to ignore you when you're legitimate, when it's something legitimate. But I got to go to halftime. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pennies politics. Join the live blog. Right now, we're having a conversation about this show right now. I want to hear your opinions. Email me, penny at iunewstalk.com. I want to hear your opinions. Or tweet, tweet me on Twitter at Penny Sakura. Use the hashtag Penny's Politics. Halftime on Penny's Politics. I'll be back. We'll continue this conversation on the other side. Stay tuned. to get it all done. The good news is that our friends over at FreshBooks fill your pain and have created something to help you reclaim some of your precious time. FreshBooks is the simple invoicing solution that lets you create and send slick professional looking invoices in seconds. Oh, and invoicing is just the beginning. FreshBooks will also make managing your expenses, staying on top of who owes you what, and tracking your time the easiest part of your day. If your business keeps you constantly on the move, not to worry. The FreshBooks mobile app can keep up. You can use the camera on your phone to capture your receipts while you watch FreshBooks magically create your expense reports for you. If you do have questions, contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get help from real-life humans. No phone tree, no less we escalate that, no I will get back to you, just helpful service at the drop of a hat. So, to try FreshBooks free for 30 days, just go to www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network and enter independent underground news and talk into the how did you hear about us section the listeners of independent underground news and talk and independent underground radio network advanced auto parts is offering 20 percent off of your first order now to save 20 percent off your first order go to www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network to save 20% off of your first order. And make sure that you put in AAP20 cash for the savings. Now, did you know that Advanced Auto Parts have been in business over 75 years and has helped the nation's do-it-yourselfers fix their vehicles? 
Advanced Auto Parts is also your source for quality auto parts, advice, and accessories. So go ahead and get your 20% off today of your first order at advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And make sure you put in the code AAP20CAST for your 20% savings. Show your support for the Independent Underground Radio Network, which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows, including Constitutionally Speaking with host Autumn Smith, Third Wave Feminism with host Jenny and Diane, Penny's Politics with host Penny Sequoia, and our flagship show, Independent Underground Radio Live with host Monica R.W. So how can you show that support? By going to to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store. Search for Independent Underground Radio Network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. To join in on the live conversation, the live blog on Facebook, join the Facebook group Penny's Politics to join in the conversation, or you can email me, penny at iunewstalk.com, or on Twitter, at Penny Sakura for your questions and comments. I want to hear you guys' feedback on today's show, because it's a hot topic, but listen, no one is, I don't think anyone has talked about it from the standpoint that I've talked about it, because the, the reality is, Sometimes there are legitimate racial issues in America. Sometimes there are real racial issues. And in the case of Michael Bennett, you don't have to make them up. You don't have to create them. And in the case of some of those stories, you don't have to reach to find racism. You don't have to. And I think that the movie Boomerang beautifully illustrated uh, the point that I was making in which sometimes when people scream racism all the time, sometimes there are legitimate examples and other times you're reaching. You are reaching. And in the case of the first two cases, I think they were reaching. The fire, the poor firefighter lost his job. They were reaching. And the dove, reach, reach. And there are a ton of other ones. I'm not going to spend my time continuing in on that conversation. But this is a conversation uh, that must be had because it, it's, a, it's, it's a divisive conversation. And sometimes we need to sit back and slow down before we hit the Al Sharpton button. <laughs> Uh, a friend of mine gave uh, he gave a, a, a an on point quote. Now I want to I want to quote him. Uh, his name is James Graham, uh, and and I'll be I'll admit this. 
you know, I've known him for a few years now. I know him to be a, a, an amazing father uh, and husband uh, to, to his wife and, and his kids. And he's a funny guy. The guy is hilarious. And I, I'll, I'll admit, uh, I didn't know that he was as deep as he was, but but he gave a, a, a pause. He gave a quote that 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 I want. I'm, I'm going to quote. I'm going to. He gave a quote that's almost spot on. So I want to quote him. He writes, "Have we no responsibility to be correct in our assertions about racism? Are we the supreme authority on what is racist? Racism is a real, actual thing in its an entity." It's not an opinion. The last few days, I've seen a ton of people carrying on about racism that clearly have never experienced it and don't understand it. People who seem to think racism is a double entendre or a dope metaphor from the 90s, from 90s hip hop, something to be deciphered. It's not. Racism is not a, a, a full courtship that leads to intercourse with someone you did not love. Racism is a rape. I've had convos in, with actual racists this past week. They spew the same recycled BS their grandfathers did. Niggers want something for nothing and to defy white women and the Mexicans want to steal jobs. Blah, blah, blah. They are not intelligent people. We should not give the intellectual credit of being able to concoct a diabolical plan of subtly, which takes tens of years to come to fruition, yet still sets back generations of blacks to a group to a group so zam-dumb that they su- would support the slogan, Make America Great Again, while simultaneous, simultaneously believing America is the greatest country in the world. When one steps back and looks at these situations without their sensitivities leading the way, these situations are processed proper, properly. Until then, Negroes can get mad at the asphalt I'm sorry, Negroes can get, until then, Negroes can get mad that the asphalt is black and it's supposed to be rolled on like the black man. And it starts with ass. I'm going to be over here worrying about the crap that actually holds blacks down. Home and business loans being denied, inequality in our school system, and why this black man didn't get hired over this less qualified white man. And seeing the actual racism that is out there without manufacturing it in places it is not. That is from a friend of mine, James Graham II. He is spot on. Spot on. And that's that's the bigger picture. Focus on the things that are real. And I love the fact that he said racism is not intercourse with someone you do not love. It's rape. My goodness, I could not have articulated that better. And that's exactly what it is. But we waste so much time on this little stuff. And I talked last week about when people say the N-word, folks lose their collective minds. Even our black politicians and some of the white liberals that, you know, that are also sympathetic to racism and some of the conservatives as well. Even they do it. They'll jump on that bandwagon because someone said the N-word because that's blatant racism. Blatant racism which was outlawed in the 60s, still exists, but who cares if someone says that word? Let's talk about the stuff that 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 exists that isn't so obvious, but it is obvious. That people can that you can't quantify by simply well, he didn't say the N-word, so I, I don't think that he that that he meant it. The inequalities that still exist. 
I gave an example of, of my wife last week applying for a job and not getting it. That's real. That's racism. But if the person hiring her doesn't say, look here, little nigger, you can't have this job because you're a nigger. They don't say that, then we, we, we're silent on it. it. It didn't happen. And actual racists, when challenged about their hiring practice, can say that. They can say, well, look here, I got one nigger over there. I mean, brother, I'm a black person over there. They're working right there. And so I'm not racist. Heck, I got black, I got black friends. I got black boots. Hell, I even got a color TV. You know, that, that, that they can hide behind that. There's a picture of, I think it's uh, Representative uh, Paul Ryan from Wisconsin, Republican from Wisconsin, his, his interns. The, the, the picture looks like a, it's about a, the, the versus the colors on a, a, a blank piece of printer paper. And then you, you see, I think it was Obama's interns. They're very diverse. A lot of color in the group. And do I believe that Paul Ryan is knowingly hiring just white people? I don't want, I'm not going to make that stretch. But I'm saying it happens. It happens. And that's real. But we cry over all this little stuff. We cry because a Dove commercial didn't put the models in the right order. And so somehow that means black people are, are bad. Because the guy brought watermelon to the, the firehouse, he might love freaking watermelon. So white people can't like you can't like watermelon. If you do, don't bring it to your black friend's house to eat. Make sure the things that you like to eat when you when you fellowship with blacks with with food, you don't bring that to your black friend's house. Because we don't want them crying racism because you just happen to like watermelon too. Eh, any event, uh, I got to move on. I got to move on. In light of the tragedy that happened in in uh, Las Vegas, and again, my heart goes out to the victims. And it's funny because my friend JG, James Graham, uh, he also said that when we talk about you know the victims. It's we don't we don't talk about the victims. We talk about the folk. The, the, we talk about the pro gun folks. Uh, he, he talks. He said we talk about the people that weren't killed. Like that's a victory. Well, I know that a hundred people were shot, but we could have been a thousand. But a hundred were shot. And 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 this conversation. He break, he makes a great point. Um, but there's been a. The, there's been a ton of opinions on this subject, and when we talk about gun control, I say we're not serious because people feel like that there's a slippery slope, and and and, and I guess it, ma it makes sense if you talk think about blacks and racism. I guess they think, well, if you get rid of even the smallest, remotely subtle things that have to do with racism, and we won't fall into that slippery slope of the bigger things. But I'm saying, deal with the bigger things. And when it comes to gun control, they feel like, well, if you tell me that I can't shoot my gun at, if you can't, if I can't own 15 million bullets and 800,000 rifles, if you limit the number of guns I can purchase to, I don't know, 100, then you're going to, tomorrow you're going to not want me to have any guns, you're going to take away all my guns. They feel like any gun legislation is a slippery slope to gun confiscation. And that's just simply not true. But I want to play a clip uh, from Milwaukee's Mayor 
or mayor, Milwaukee's chief Ed Flynn. He he he's talking about um an NRA backed gun law in Wisconsin. Uh, in recent years, unbeknownst to me, well, I knew that there was an uptick in violent gun crimes in Milwaukee, but I didn't know that uh, it was it cor- you know correlated to a law change. Uh, in Wisconsin, I, w- I want you to hear the chief. I'm gonna play this clip. And we're gonna talk about this. There's a place for concealed carry. You know, I mean, everybody wants to talk about the law-abiding person, and I agree. All right, the law-abiding person in the United States who passes a background check and is responsible and is not a criminal. Why shouldn't they get a concealed carry permit? But that's not what's happened in Wisconsin. We wrote a letter, that we wrote a law, we did, the NRA did, wrote a law in Wisconsin that the legislature passed that arms criminals lawfully. Okay? That's the law. We have a statute in this state that defines a career criminal as somebody who's committed, been convicted of three misdemeanors or one felony within five years. Now, in Milwaukee, the overwhelming majority of our arrested felons plead guilty to misdemeanors and get a plea bargain. And I get it. The system's overwhelmed with arrests. But the problem is, when they passed the law in Wisconsin, they only said convicted felons can't qualify for a gun permit. So I've got armed career criminals with concealed permits guarding drug dealers. We call them human holsters. They're sitting in a car with three felons, and they're carrying three guns. Okay? That's a crazy law. Every year since that law was passed in 2011, every year, Non-fatal shootings have gone up, gun-related homicides have gone up, the number of guns seized from the streets by our department has gone up. Our department seizes more guns per capita than any big city in the United States of America. New York City, last year, seized guns at the rate of 43 guns per 100,000. Chicago, who we all hear about, seized guns at the rate of 260 per 100,000. It's a lot of guns. Last year, we seized 406 firearms for 100,000. That's what our cockamamie law has done here. And those guns are falling into the hands of immature young offenders. By the time their brains have caught up with their actions, are in prison. Come on, that's the tragedy. Stupid disputes that would have been fist fights are now shootings. Facebook fights are now shootings. Road rages are now shootings. It's an irresponsible law passed by irresponsible legislatures who are more interested in ideological points than saving lives. And I sure as hell like some more community outreach about that because that's what's driving the violence in this city and too many public officials are silent on it. That's uh, the city of Milwaukee's Chief Ed Flynn uh, talking about a law passed in 2011. And by the the legislature in Wisconsin that is Republican-led, that, and and I've talked about this several times. One one of the problems that people make, especially Republicans, is they talk about, well, the the dim-run cities are, they've been horrible for 50 years. It's a great talking point, but correlation does not equal causation. Just because the Dems have run the city for 50 years and there's a crime, it doesn't mean that that's why. It's not that simple. The ideological, sh- the partisan shift happened after 
you know, the reality is that, that the conservatives and Democrats left the party after civil rights passage. And I should say the the non the, the segregationists left. Because I don't believe all conservatives are racist and I don't believe all Republicans are racist. But the reality is there's a lot more on that side of the aisle than there are on the blue side of the aisle. That's a fact. But they're quick to point out their history and how they were they and they, they did. They 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 you know they, they they were a bunch of liberals and they they were anti-slavery in the beginning and you know, and many many Republicans were pro-civil rights, but the reality is, the facts are, the dim, it was a dim president that took the lead and got the law passed. One got killed trying to, to, to campaign in the South to gain support, and his vice, vice president, who was from the South, bullied his way and got it done. And that's what happened. But they point to dim cities as saying that this is the... This is the litmus test. You want to see how well Dems run cities? Look at the look at the cities. They totally ignore that most large cities produce most of the wealth. Most of the good-paying jobs are in cities. Most of them. People commute from the suburbs into the cities. The, those suburbs that ring around many cities work in the cities. They work in those same dim-run cities that are supposedly overtaxed and overregulated. They work in those same cities and they take all that money out to the wealthy suburbs and they live. We don't talk about that. We talk about the crime. Yes, large cities have crime. Because our, our school systems are hyper-underfunded and they don't have the resources. In the case of Wisconsin, I could talk at nauseum, I could talk all day about Wisconsin and its problems, but it's not just unique to Wisconsin. I'm going to invite one of my uh, you know, friends on here uh, from Texas. He'll talk about how the state legislatures, they try to neuter cities. They, it's, they create the problem. It's like if I told you, no, that car's not going to work because you're driving it. Well, sir, you, get, you took all of my gas. You removed three of my tires. And you told me to just drive the car. So they passed this law in 2011, basically giving what sh who should be felons lack of access to guns. You get multiple misdemeanors for violent crimes. You should be labeled as a criminal, a career criminal. You should not have be eligible to get a concealed carry weapon permit or carry a, a firearm. If they were serious about it, like he said, they would. That would be the law. But no, the NRA said, no, we, we can't have that. We, we can't have those people not having guns. We can't have that. Because the NRA is not about safety. It's not about gun safety anymore, promoting gun safety. It's not about that. And it's definitely not about arming yourself against the KKK, which is what somebody said that why the NRA was formed. It certainly was not formed for that purpose. There was a... Uh, there's a black leader back in uh, in 2013 uh, th that said Harry Alford, President Chief Executive Officer of D.C.'s based National Black Chamber of Commerce, he said, I want to thank the Lord for our Constitution. I want to thank the NRA for his legacy. The National Rifle Association was started, founded by religious leaders who wanted to protect free slaves from the Ku Klux Klan. That, that's a lie! It's not why the NRA was 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 founded. On their website, it said, uh, dismayed by a lack of marksmanship shown by their troops, vet Union veterans, Colonel William C. Church and General George Wingate, 
formed the National Rifle Association in 1871. The primary goal of the association would be to promote and encourage rifle shooting on a scientific basis, according to a magazine editorial written by Church. After being chartered by the state of New York on November 17, 1871, the NRA was, was founded. Civil War General uh, Ambrose Burnside, who was the former governor of Rhode Island and a U.S. senator, became the fledgling NRA's first president. An important facet of the NRA's creation was the development of a practice ground. In 1872, with the financial help from New York State, a site on Long Island, the Creed Farm was purchased for the purpose of building a rifle range named Creedmoor. A range, the range opened a year later, and it was the first, and the first annual matches were held. There's no mention of religious leaders, slaves, or the KKK. And many many NRA supporters say that it's the oldest civil rights organization in America. It's not, it wasn't founded as a civil rights organization. And then it's warped into this, this pro-Second Amendment uh, organization to this pro-gun sales organization and gun paraphernalia, for lack of a better term, gun accessories. Anything that'll drive gun sales, the NRA is for, which makes the NRA more powerful because they're supported by gun manufacturers, which gives them more members, which gives them more money, which gives them more power on, on Capitol Hill, which is why we want to pass gun laws that make sense. If a person was pled down from a violent felon, felony to a misdemeanor three times, that person should have a gun? Under the law, current under many laws, yeah, he's not a felon. He ain't beat on his wife or girlfriend, so yeah, give him a gun. He's not mentally ill. Give him a gun. By golly, the Second Amendment protects our rights. Give him a gun. And this isn't this isn't the only law. We talk a lot about Chicago has the most the strictest gun laws in America, and they just have 500 murders. First of all, Chicago's per capita murder rate is lower than Milwaukee's is. But the problem is that we don't live on an island. I could I could say you the only way you can own a gun here is if you not only are American citizen, but you're able to hit 18 flips and draw Mona Lisa with your non-dominant hand if you want to buy guns in this state. And let's say that that held up to constitutional muster. Here in, here, here in Metro West. I say that was a Metro law here in the neighborhood of Metro West. But over right next door to me in Windermere, you can buy a gun if you're breathing. So all I have to do is walk over to Windermere because it's separated by this imaginary border, get my gun and come back to Metro West and wreak havoc on Metro West and then blame it on something other than that obvious problem right there. I talked to an ATF agent some years ago at a summit, at this violence summit, and I was asked, I was, you know, I was curious, why? Why is why and I didn't I didn't even rec recognize the obvious. He said because artificial borders don't prevent you from trafficking guns across those artificial borders. If the gun laws are too strict where you live, drive across the border into a state where they're not, and then drive back home. There is nothing illegal about that. You broke no law. And they don't have the resources for which to deal with with. Straw purchases, straw deals. There's a loophole at gun shows. 
And if we were serious, we'd deal with this. But the the gun folks, the NRA, anytime they hear they they if they they smell that you're gonna have a gun law, I think they're about to pass a law saying you can't shoot you can't shoot little babies. I don't think we need to. No, you hate guns. You hate second amendment. Second amendment gives them a right. You hate guns. Can't do it. Slippery slope. That's how they that's how they respond. And I just keep coming back to black folks when it comes to screaming racism. The NRA does the same thing because here's a here's a reality. In America, and I've said this many times, we're not looking for justice and equality. We're looking for an advantage. And I always make sure that I couple justice and equality because they should go hand in hand. But we're looking for an advantage. Many of us don't want an advantage. That's why, that's, that, that's why we scream racism. All the time, we want we're first we're oversensitive, and that's why the the, the NRA they you can't because they don't they don't they want an advantage. They want to maintain that power. And what is it doing? It, it's 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 filled our, our our nation. We have way too many guns in America. There were too many. There's way too, we have a problem in America. We it's a problem. It's a real problem. And if you're, if you, if I'm not going to continue on that rant, I'm just not, because it's going to fall on deaf ears, and people are going to start to quote the Second Amendment, and they're going to, ugh, that's the defense. And I, I'm going to say this that the need would need to it needs to be amended. Another friend asked uh, Max L. He lives in Georgia. He says, "When do we stop amending the Constitution?" Or why? I think he said, "Why do we stop amending the Constitution?" And my answer was simple. It would cost billions of dollars. And the reason it would cost billions of dollars is because it takes nothing to get people in a frenzy. All it takes is one good commercial with some the right music, and we have lost our collective minds. The smart people in the room are always drowned out. I'm sorry, America, but the smart people in the room are always drowned out by a bunch of panicky dummies. And sometimes the smart people become panicky dummies as well. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pennies politics. I want to know your opinions on my show. I want to know your opinions on this topic. Email me penny at iunewstalk.com. And I'm going to read some of the comments on my next show. Or you can tweet me at Penny Sakura. The fourth quarter will return. You listen to Penny's Politics. Independent Underground Radio Network, Advanced Auto Parts is offering 20% off of your first order. Now, to save 20% off your first order, go to www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network to save 20% off of your first order. And make sure that you put in AAP 20 cast for the savings. Now, did you know that Advanced Auto Parts have been in business over 75 years and has helped the nation's do-it-yourselfers fix their vehicles? 
Advanced Auto Parts is also your source for quality auto parts, advice, and accessories. So go ahead and get your 20% off today of your first order at advancedautooffer.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And make sure you put in the code AAP20CAST for your 20% savings. So I've had the opportunity to move to this beautiful and amazing state called Florida. I've also had the opportunity of moving to this amazing network called IU News and Talk. Hi, I'm Penny Sikora, host of Penny's Politics. Tune in Tuesdays from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I give you my unique, no-spin style of politics. The truth is what you're going to get here. Sometimes that truth is beneficial. Sometimes you hear the truth and you're like, you know what? I can dig that. I like that. It lets me know I'm on the right side of the argument. But there are other times when the truth is going to make you upset, you're going to be upset with Penny. But you know what? I'm still going to tell you the truth. So tune in Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to Penny's Politics here on IU News and Talk. search query and type in Penny's Politics on your Facebook app. Tweet me at Penny Secor or email me. Email me Penny at IUNewsTalk.com. I want to know what you guys think. I really want to know what you guys think and I'm going to talk about this uh, on next week's show because I really want to know uh, I want I want some feedback. Give me, give me some feedback. Um, so I'm going to, we're going to switch topics again uh, because I always get my news stories that I want to talk about and I never get to them um, because we have so much to talk about. I'm, I'm always going on my rants and raves about, you know, whatever it is that I'm ranting and raving about. But we're going to keep the conversation on race. I, I want to paint this uh, another picture. I want to make sure that I'm clear. I want to make sure that I'm clear about something. Um, because there are real issues of racism uh, in, you know, in this country. I, I was watching Deaf Comedy Jam. Uh, and, and I remember bringing, and I think I talked about this in a previous show, talking about Def Comedy Jam and the fact that Def Comedy Jam brought forth so many, so many comedians. Uh, Mike Epps, Cedric the Entertainer, uh, Bernie Mac, you know, Chris Tucker. You know, it, it, it lost their many of their many of their careers that we've not we would not have heard of if not for that because of opportunities. This is 1992, and back in 1992, and I remember being in high school having these conversations, and some of my friends say racism is not a problem, Penny. It's just not. It's not 1960. You can use any bathroom you want. And in 1980, I'm sure they were having similar conversations. When Michael Jackson couldn't get on, or Michael Jackson was the only black person that can get on MTV. And so BET said, hey, I'll play your videos, black people. And then all of a sudden, all these black artists, you know, came into the mainstream because they got that play. 
Had BET not done that, where would we be? Had Def Comedy Jam not given them the opportunity, where would we be? This is real systemic racism. And so I'm glad that these outlets have come forth because, I mean, as I sit and I watch, I, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I'm a big fan of Oprah. Her network has a ton of shows, a ton of black shows. I just started uh, watching uh, Queen Sugar. I just, I was binge watching that with Dar's mom over the, over the, the weekend, binge watching it. And not only did I, I like the plot of the show, I just like that there are black characters. And it's not me being racist saying I don't like to see white characters. I certainly do. But it's like, gosh, can I see some people on TV that look like us that can tell us the story from the black African-American perspective? From the black perspective? Because I've been hearing see the white perspective all my life. And people are, oh, Penny, I'm your black people on TV. And they go on the name like the six or seven black shows over the course of four decades that existed. In which the majority of the cast were black. Or the main characters were black. There's only, there was only a handful. And now there's a ton of them. And I'm grateful for that. There's still there's a lot of movies from the black perspective, but there's still I mean we're getting there. It's it's we're getting there. And I'm grateful for Oprah and them people. You wouldn't dare call Oprah racist. It's about opportunity, and, and America has missed the mark several times. And I'm quite sure MTV is kicking themselves for not, you know, because because uh, uh, Bob Johnson be, became a billionaire, <laughs> and I had all MTV had to do was just play the black play the black people music. Play their the black artists, and I, just, I don't want to say black people. Yes, it's our music. Certainly, are we we. But whites listen; they like it too. But because we didn't get the mainstream, they didn't get an opportunity to sample what we what we had. Embrace it, because black Af, black African Americans are Americans too. And so they missed an opportunity. They missed an opportunity. Um, one more story on race, racism, which is legitimate. And the reason I say legitimate, I don't want to, listen, it's, no, I'm going to say it. I, I can delegitimize some stories. I can tell you that story is nonsense. It's cockamamie. It's made up and it's a reach. I can say that. I'm older. I can see it. But if I share a story with you about legitimate racism, a couple of things, a couple of things have to be met. Now, I will not accept racist remarks from elected officials. Hell no. You will not. And by I mean just overtly racist comments. I'm not one of those guys that's going to try to interpret what they say because they, they do. But yes, if it's dog whistle and yeah, yeah, I will call that out. Because you people are, you are in a position of power. and You have a bully pulpit, a large pulpit in which to influence masses of people. Like the president, who will not call white supremacist names. I condemn them on both sides. But he'll call NFL players SOBs. He'll call Hillary Clinton a nasty woman. He'll talk about Rosie O'Donnell. But white supremacists, I have yet to hear him insult. And that speaks volumes. Because if he's disgusted with somebody, he makes it clear he is disgusted with you because he gets personal. And I'm sure most of America would not mind if you got personal with the white supremacists. 
And so I hold elected officials to a higher standard in their commentary. Individuals, normal individuals, meh. Even celebrities, meh. Ah. It might bother me, but meh. I hold institutions to a higher standard. To a higher standard. Over hiring and or doling out or or, or our you know institutions of justice and doling out justice and sentencing and in, in, in enforcement of the law. Our police departments, I hold them to a higher standard. But the rest of that nonsense, you guys are reaching. Some of you guys are just reaching. But in Texas, <laughs> in Texas. A Texas lawmaker who used racial slurs to describe two African-American prosecutors say he will not resign. This is from NBC News. In a city hall meeting Tuesday night, Brownsville City Commissioner at Large, wait for it, Cesar de Leon, publicly apologized for his remarks and said he does not condone or practice racism. I made a terrible mistake, but please believe I still stand against injustice, unfair, and unlawful treatment of any American, regardless of race, religion, age, or social standing. De Leon said in remarks that were posted on YouTube. I will not stop honoring my commitment to the people of Brownsville, nor will I back down in my fight for our great community. In September, a recording of De Leon using the N-word and F-word to describe the prosecutors was posted on social media, which has since been taken down. He said, and I quote, there are a couple of effing ends that Luis Sainez is getting. Uh, pardon me if I butcher your name, but I don't know you. And I don't know where he's getting them from. They were coming down to my effing city, and now they're trying to effing put everybody in jail because they think we're a bunch of Mexicans that hit our wives, De Leon said, according to the Brownsville Herald. They are effing. They are effing. And I would say this, I would never dare use that word, but you know what? Yes, there are a couple of ends in that they think that all of us are effing taco eaters or effing taco eaters. De Leon has also apologized in the interview with the Herald and said his comments were private and never meant to be public. <laughs> I'm not going to continue. Because the, the, one of the DAs called for his apology and for him to announce his re resignation. He said he ain't going to resign. I ain't going to resign. And he said I, they weren't meant for public. They were private and weren't meant for public. Well, if you said them in private, that's just as bad. And that's what I keep telling people. Just because it's not blatant, it, the racism don't exist because it's blatant. This, clear, this guy clearly has malice in his heart toward black people, which, by the way, I want to point something out. During the Zimmerman trial, Zimmerman is a Latino or Hispanic. And people were saying, well, he's also a minority, so he can't be racist. Certainly, minorities don't like other minorities because of the color of their skin. It happens. Oh, yeah, it happens. If you don't believe me, listen to George Lopez. This is what George Lopez talk about. And he's an amazing, amazingly funny comedian. Listen to him talk about his family. It's hilarious. He and he, he does a great job of illustrating it using comedy, but it's there's a fact. And black people that live in urban areas in which there are Hispanics, oh yeah, there's racism. Oh yeah. They view us through the same lens that the that we're that we're painted as 
and media. The same negative stereotypes, they're watching the same negative stereotypes, even though they're in the same urban jungles that we're in. Even though many of them are experiencing the same discrimination from the majority that we are. They view us the same because we don't interact. I would draw the same conclusion had I not expanded my, my, my boundaries and, and traveled and, and matured and understand that that's just television. It's only entertainment. Not all black people listen to hip hop. We're not violent. We don't, we're not, it's not true, okay? Some of us are. Just like there are whites that are listening to hip hop and are violent. There are white people that are violent and don't listen to hip hop. There are black people that are violent that don't listen to hip hop. Correlation is not, does not equal causation. And stereotypes are not always true. But this guy is, should resign. And what's going to be interesting to see if he gets reelected, because that's going to speak volumes. That will speak volumes. That will tell me more. That will tell me more about America than. That will tell me more about America than. This guy just simply saying the N-word. It'll tell me a lot more. Will he get reelected? That's that's the question. Because that gives me a greater measurement of where we are as a country than does anything else. Because if this person is being blatantly racist, blatant. And you still elect them? What does that say? It says that we have not moved as far as we think that we've moved. And I think that in many aspects, that's where America needs to stop pounding its chest. We need to stop pounding our chests and saying that we're this great country that is post-racial and moving towards post-racial. We give ourselves too much credit. We need to humble ourselves just a little bit. Remember, America's just this little teenager that think they know everything. Yeah, I see you got a little college education, got your nice little job, got some, you know, good credit going. Nah, you're a smart person, but you still don't know much, America. You ain't experienced much, America. Slow it down. America's like a typical teenager. They've learned their their intelligence. And maybe they got a little job and you know. And they're telling everybody else how they don't understand anything. Because this teenager had a, a, a ridiculous growth spurt and is now the biggest person, biggest, strongest person in the room. Now this, this teenager th feels as though it can tell all the other adults in the room what to do. Oh, we gave this teenager a big old gun. Bigger than the ones that everybody else got. And so this teenager believes that it can push the narrative. Believes this. And that is. That's a problem. So we need to, America, we need to slow it down a little bit. But I'm going to move on. I want to get to a couple more stories before uh, I move on. I'm a big transportation guy. Transportation is kind of my forte. City planning, transportation. And I had the opportunity while I was in Nashville. They have this, this, uh, this, this transit plan in which they are going to, they want to, they want to obviously have a tax. They want to raise taxes to create a multimodal transit system in in uh, Nashville, and it's actually a good idea. Uh, and I, I had the opportunity to go into the social media, just kind of hear some of the the, the local folks 
opinions, and the opinions are the same. Those that have no clue what they're talking about in terms of transportation say it's, it's going to be a boondoggle. It's a waste of money. Um, we don't need more buses. We don't need more trains. And then there's other people that say, well, we need more buses because trains, you know, you can't move, switch the routes of the trains, but you can switch routes of the buses. But the reality is that when you have high volumes of people traveling along the same route, businesses come. You don't believe me? Look at the train. Look at the Chicago uh, metro lines and all the businesses adjacent to the metro lines. Because people are using them. Cars is just not the end all, be all, the be all, end all. It's just not. We have to have other options. And cars is, is not the only option. And it's expensive. But Nashville has this plan uh, that they want to raise this, the, the sales tax to, to expand their bus system. But I can tell you that, and, and I've seen this in a, in a few southern cities, they have this, this idea that when you travel from the different parts of the city, if we bring you to the middle and then use that middle hub and then let you go to the rest of the city, that's great. That doesn't work because getting cross town is a lot easier than me going downtown and then going cross town. It makes the trip a lot longer. And it's really terrible planning. We have that same problem here in Orlando. In Orlando, if you live at by UCF, which is on the east side of Orange County, and you work at Disney, or if you live on the east side of Orange County, work on the far west side of UCF. If you live at UCF, it's a better example. If I live at UCF and I work in Winter Garden, which is on the west side of UCF, is on the east side of Orange County. Uh, uh, Winter Garden is on the west side of Orange County. That trip is about two hours one way because you have to take one. There's two buses. You got to take a bus from UCF to downtown. And then another bus from downtown to continue going west. There's no one bus that goes straight across Crosstown, Orange County from one side to the other. If I live in Pine Hills and I worked at Disney, which both are on the west side of, because Disney is actually, technically it's a part of Orange County, but technically it's not. It's its own entity, but it actually sits more in Osceola County than it does Orange County. It's kind of like on the border between the two. But it's on the west side, if I'm painting this picture correctly. And if I wanted to take a bus from Pine Hills, which is a community on the west northwest side of Orange County, to Disney, which is essentially on the southwest side of Orange County, there's no one bus that'll take me straight down the west side of Orange County. I would have to take uh, really three buses. Take a bus, or I could take two. I could take two. I could take a bus from the Pine Hills to downtown, which is taking me from the northwest side of Orange County to the center of the city, the county, which is downtown, and then take a bus from downtown out to the west, the southwest side. Again, a trip that'll take me about two hours. When you could take, if they had one route going down the west side of Orange County, you could limit that trip to an hour or at least cut. 40% of that trip out. And it certainly can be done. But planning is terrible. I give the northern cities credit. They do a great job of planning transit, but they fund their transit systems. They fund them. Because they are very necessary. So in here, you're kind of forced. if you, Unless you want to be, because think about it. And there are a lot of people that are commuting two hours one way. Do the math. Times five, that's 10 hours one way. Times both ways, that's 20 hours one way. Times four, week in a mo- four weeks in the month. 
That's 80 hours. So you spend two weeks, you spend a pay period commuting to work every month. An entire pay period commuting. Time which could be spent earning a living, earning a wage or living. And so the minute that these, I mean, I'm not going to say, well, they're low wage. Many of these workers earn just enough to buy a car. They're forced to spend a ton of money on a car. Because you got to have insurance in Orlando. And if you aren't, you're a fool because there's a ton of accidents here. And so it, it creates an economic problem. The, the money that they would otherwise be spending in the economy, they're wasting it on car insurance in a car that they really should need and can't afford. All because we don't want to fund mass transit or the mass transit here sucks. It's terrible. And yes, there's gridlock as a result. There's going to be gridlock anyway because some people just don't want to take a bus. But you really don't have much of an option, especially in the South. Because transit doesn't get you where it needs to be. And one of the reasons that the planning is so terrible is that they don't play the planners here much of all. They're not attracting the top talent. They're not. But that's the South. So Nashville released this transit plan. I got a chance to listen to some people's comments, and they just some don't like it because they don't want to raise taxes. They don't want to pay for nothing. But as we get older... Especially in these, some of these southern cities, they have a horrible, they're horribly planned. I think Atlanta is the exception to the rule, possibly because Atlanta was burned down and had to start all over uh, after the Civil War. But I mean, most southern cities suck. The planning is horrible. Tampa's not planned very well. Orlando's not planned very well. Eh, Jacksonville's a little better. Miami, eh, a little better. A lot of southern cities, their 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 grids are terrible. Because people just don't, they, they just want to pay the price to, to get it right. They don't want to upgrade these grids and update the traffic infrastructure here. Because they don't want to pay for it. But they'll pay for it when they get older. Being forced to drive at 80, 75 and 80. I don't know if I would get on Orlando's roads in my car at 75 and 80. Because a lot of accidents. I don't know if I, I would deem that as safe. But I urge you guys, if you're in Tennessee, to support the plan, the Nashville, to support the plan. Because moving forward, America's not going to be as sustained. We waste so much money on stuff that we just see it just as, as, as normal. Normal. The Europeans have gotten it right. They figured it out. They take more weeks of vacation, more leisure time. They don't, they, you don't need a car over there. It's not necessary. Because they have transportation infrastructure. The Chinese get education right. They say, well, you know, we're in this new economy and everybody's beginning to build up. We have to be competitive. So we're going to build this educational infrastructure, creating engineers. And so that when, when, when people need stuff to be built and new and innovative products to be, to be concocted, we're ready. We can have them ready for you tomorrow. We're going to build these ginormous factories to produce this stuff on a global scale because the world is a globe. Seven billion people. So we got to be ready. And while America got this head start on manufacturing and wealth building after the war and the modernized globe has gotten silly, arrogant, and it has totally missed the mark. I still hear people arguing that the manufacturing jobs are coming back. They're not coming back. 
Automation and globalization, they're not coming back. Either we're going to get smart now and begin to invest in the educational infrastructure to prepare our next generation. Yes, not every job requires a college degree because there's that group out there that's saying, oh, you don't need a college degree. You don't. But we're not, it's not like we're preparing the kids for the trades in school. It's not like we're making trade schools. We're not advertising the trade schools or tech schools. No, we're even fully funding the tech schools. So it's not, we're not preparing them. We're just arguing. Because my party says it's a good thing, idea and your party says it's a bad idea. So therefore, we got to argue about it and ignore the facts. Or rather, we can don't ignore all the facts. Just like the ones that bolster your argument and ignore the truth. That's a better way to go. That's the way to go. And that's going to make America great again. Or better yet, it's going to make America dumb again. I want to hit you guys with one last story uh, about a, well, an anti-abortion Republican uh, apparently urging uh, his uh, mistress to have uh, an abortion. Yeah, you heard it. Yeah, that's what I said. Listen to this clip. The breaking headline involving a Republican congressman and his sex scandal. Tim Murphy of Pennsylvania, a husband and father, giving us two weeks notice today. Here's ABC's David Wright. Tonight, this Pennsylvania Republican caught in a sex scandal, Congressman Tim Murphy, effectively gave two weeks notice. He's out of Congress, effective October 21st. I think it's appropriate that he um, moves on to the next chapter of his life. Congressman Murphy is known for his anti-abortion views. I don't know if women who go in for abortion really know what happens. But this week, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette published text messages between him and his former mistress, making it clear that while he's against abortion, he wanted her to have one. In January, she took him to task for posting your pro-life stance all over the place when you had no issue asking me to abort our unborn child just last week. He texted back, expressing remorse. Turns out, it was a false alarm. But the affair became public as a result of her divorce proceedings, much to the congressman's embarrassment. The congressman is married, too. He says he'll take some personal time to get help as he and his family sort out their difficulties. David? David, thank you. Take some personal time to get help. Just stop pounding your chest. Stop pounding your chest. And be honest. Goodness grievances. I keep telling people, these ideologues, these partisans, they're full of crap. They only pound their chests to win elections and to get votes. At their core, a lot of these people aren't who they say that they are. Some voters might be, and I and I and I would I, I begin I believe that many voters are, but I think that some voters are being are also full of crap, and they just want the to side with the party of their choice, or side by, by siding with them, whatever their stance their party decides to go with, that's what they're going to go with, because their party chose it, because they spent millions of dollars trying to get us to. To support their side simply because they hate the other side. I can go on about this. Listen, I thank you guys for listening to the show. Tune in next Tuesday at the same bat station, same bat channel here on the IU News News and Talk Network um, for Penny's Politics. Join me on Facebook in Penny's Politics. The politi- conversation continues. Remember, email your questions to me at penny at iunewstalk.com or tweet me at Penny Sakura on Twitter. Hashtag Penny's Politics. 
Tomorrow, the flagship show, IU Radio Live, is right here with Monica RW around the same network, same time, 9 o'clock tomorrow. Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys have an amazingly blessed week. Prayers to the people in, in Las Vegas. I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.